Hi, this is Scott Berkwin, and today I'd like to talk a little bit about neurolinguistic programming. Neural programming, and why, for most people, they just don't work. Have you ever had someone say it's all in your head? Do you believe that? I kind of do. But let's talk about it. Let's figure that out. How about neural programming or neurolinguistic programming? The idea that if you say something enough or if somebody touches you in the right way while saying it, they create a positive neural pathway and it's set in your mind to create a habit and you believe it. Because we know that habits are simply a series of beliefs that happen over and over until our brain makes it normal. Habit is just normal to us. At the suggestion of a friend, I picked up a book that was written by an acting coach which seemed pretty cool. I'd seen the acting coach talk, and it was a very interesting talk. Uh, he was a lot of fun to watch, had a lot of energy, and he bounced all over the stage, and he said a lot of things that made sense. He also said a lot of things that were rather incongruent. So I figured I would read his book and see what he really had to say, because I know that when you sit down and write, you think things through and you edit, and you have a different story sometimes than you do on stage. His book talked at length about the benefits of building positive neural pathways. All the while, he had undertones where he complained that it really wasn't working for him. He was frustrated with his relationships, and he even quoted himself as being whiny. So if he's so good at creating all these positive neural pathways, how come he has trouble in relationships, and why is he, as he says, whiny? Well, I think this is true of a lot of people with neurolinguistic programming or NRP or neural programming. If you go to a session and somebody helps you start building that neural pathway... It works for a while because you're actively processing and actively working at building that pathway and you'll see some change and some progress. But it seems to fade away over time. So you can go to reinforcing events. Uh, one of the acting coaches that I go to has support events, he calls them, every other month. So you go in and you continue to bump yourself up and continue to build these habits. And there's a reason that you need that if you do it wrong. So let's say that he's right. Let's use an example about my weight. I'll make fun of myself for a minute because I got pretty big. Let's say that I look in the mirror and I say, man, I'm skinny. I look great. And it doesn't matter what I really look like. I just say it to myself and I build this positive neural pathway that says, I look skinny and I look great. If I continue to do that, in order to justify it to myself, I'm going to go have to find friends who are bigger than me. So I'm the skinny guy in the group that I hang out with. I'll look around and I'll only look at people who are bigger than me so that I can say, yep, I'm skinnier than him. I must be okay. If everything goes well, I build this perfect neural pathway and my brain tells me I'm good looking and I'm skinny and happy. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? So, like they say on infomercials, but wait, there's more. The problem is you have an existing neural pathway that got you to that starting point. I had one that said, hey dude, you're fat. Somewhere in my brain, that pathway already existed. So I go through this exercise of creating a new neural pathway that says I'm in good shape, I'm skinny, and I look great. And it's in conflict, direct conflict, with the neural pathway that said, holy crap, dude, you're fat. This confusion creates guilt, frustration, and stress in the brain. It almost sounds like a little bit of schizophrenia to me. Two sides of my brain telling me two different things. So how do you fix it? That took a lot of digging. A deeper school of thought said that I had to go backwards down the original neural pathway until I hit the end. I had to find the original saying, the original event, the original discussion, whatever it is, in my mind where somebody told me I was fat. Or somebody set the baseline of what fat is. 
This can be a really scary place. It could be something from childhood, it could be all kinds of things. And in my fat example, it was a pretty short trip. Two big stops, but they were long distance over time, so it took a little bit of thinking and, and sort of meditating on it, if you will, to figure out what's happening. The day that I believed I was fat was when I looked down at the scale and I saw a number north of 200 pounds. To me, I was clearly fat that day. I'm just about six feet tall, and to me, 170 pounds and six feet is about right, and that's where I am today. Now, the easy thing to do would be to stop right there and say, wow, you know, sitting on the scale at 200 pounds, yeah, that, that's fat, and that's what caused it. That's what caused me to think I was fat. But I knew it wasn't that easy. There had to be more. So I went back to that point in my life where I was in the best shape that I ever was. The point in my life that might have set my beliefs on where feeling good and looking good and being in good shape were important and why. In the military police, I was a machine, a competitive marksman. We ran anywhere from 20 to 30 miles a week wearing a full complement of gear and combat boots. And I also rode up to 80 miles a week on my bike going to school and my second job. Back then, I weighed in at 140 pounds soaking wet. So what changed? When I arrived at Air Force pilot training, my heart rate was so low from being a conditioned athlete that I was given a pass from physical training, or PT. The doctor really told me to go home, sit on the couch, drink beer, and eat chips. I had to raise my blood pressure, otherwise I could black out and kill myself in the airplane, and the Air Force wasn't willing to risk an airplane for me. So I got a prescription to go home, gain weight, and increase my blood pressure, if you can believe that. So here's the little conflict or turning point created in my mind. The point where it says, it's okay to be a little heavy, starts right here. And then on my first trip home after pilot training, a good friend, who's a few years older than me and someone who I respect, like we really do with our older friends and almost our parents, said to me, Damn, it's about time you got fat and looked normal like us. My journey into my mind to undo my weight gain had found where the path had started, which is the Air Force doctor telling me to gain some weight, and what reinforced it to make it a habit, and that was my friends, accepting and telling me that it was good the way I was. They helped me to build that neural pathway by saying it was good to be fat. So I was able to see the doc at the very beginning of pilot training telling me to gain weight built the pathway. So that's the original pathway of gaining weight that I needed to redirect about being thinner. But there was still something in there. Eventually I figured out that the real question I needed to answer was this. Why is it that 200 pounds is a problem for me? What was it, when I looked at that number on the scale, that said to me, Okay, you're fat. The doc said to gain weight. No doc was telling me to lose weight. My wife wasn't telling me to lose weight. My friends weren't complaining. So what was it? So there's a whole nother path I had to go find and walk down in my mind and figure out what's going on. And I realized that at a very young age, my grandfather, who lived to be nearly 100 years old, very healthy life, had told me that in order to stay alive and well and happy, one of the keys was to stay thin. And he would say the best diet in the world is simply to push away from the table. My grandfather died just over 99 years old with a minor heart attack in his sleep at a good weight, still living basically at his own place, playing nine holes of golf and getting around and driving. He was a master at the art of growing old gracefully. So this was the point where I say, be careful who you listen to, 
And this was someone who I could believe and respect about how to grow old. So I stopped here. There may be more hidden even a little farther back in my brain, but for now, I believed and found that this was the root and creation of that positive neural path that said, stay in shape, be healthy, be happy. Since the day that I looked down and saw 200 pounds on the scale, I got back into shape and now I'm running 20 to 25 miles a week. I surf two or three days a week and I ride my bike all over town again. My new doctor says I've created my own monster. I have twice as many neural pathways motivating me to pass in the fried food, turn off the TV, pick up the protein shake, and go running or do something else for the fitness of my life, the benefit of me. I have that original neural pathway from my grandfather telling me to stay in good shape and live long and healthy. And then I have this new one that I took from the fat path and reprogrammed it as stay skinny and healthy or at least thin and healthy. So I took the negative path and the positive path and made them both positive. I'd like to go back to the class and the author and talk a little bit more about what we did there. He showed us how difficult it was and talked about some negative false images he was fighting from his childhood. And again, what I could see and hear was that he was only working on the new pathways to try to eliminate or forget the old pathways. The problem is the brain has that programming. You have to go back and change it. Otherwise, all you've done is create conflict in your own mind. And this is why he's probably a great acting teacher, but he's not a master at the mind. So how did all that garbage get in our brain anyway? Everything we believe that is negative, false, positive, true, whatever, no matter how small, starts somewhere. If it's something that's totally new knowledge, it can come from anywhere, even television. Usually it starts at younger ages when it's our friends or parents who don't know an answer and make one up, and we believe it. Sometimes we read an article or see a TV show that has an explanation, and our brain says, Aha! Problem solved. There's my answer. Now I know. Move on. And this neural pathway is started. There are funny things that used to happen on the Brady Bunch that I believed for years growing up. That acceptance of these truths creates a neural pathway that will remain in effect until it either dies or it gets diseased, or you go backwards down that mental path, reach the end, turn it around and reset it. Prove that the beginning of that path is false. And you can only do that by finding the very first thought that started the chain and knowing without a doubt that it is wrong so you can change that neural path. My mom put so many half-truths and crazy ideas in my head as a kid that as I got older and began to think about them, I started calling them momisms. Every parent does it, so it's not just mine, but I'm going to share some of mine with you. One of the funniest and earliest was an experience while we were house shopping. My parents were house shopping for a new home. We needed an extra bedroom because my little sister was on her way, and so we needed more space. My brother and I were sharing a room, and there was no room for a girl. There was a house that I really liked, and it had a great backyard and a swimming pool and all the fun things that kids like. Instead of using logic or explaining to me that I'm just a kid and I don't get a vote, my mom used a momism. She told me that the French doors on the house on the backyard were unsafe and easy to break into, and the insurance was too high so we couldn't afford it. At that age, I believed it, took it to heart, and it made a neural pathway that French doors cost more to insure and are easier to break into. As an adult, the first four houses I owned did not have a French door. In fact, I shied away from houses that had French doors because of this falsehood or momism that was planted in my brain. It was only after I traveled back down that neural pathway to understand why I didn't want to live in a house with French doors 
and then calling my insurance company to find the truth, I realized that I didn't dislike or like French doors any more than any other. In fact, I sort of did like them, and there was something past that that told me I liked them. So I was able to eliminate this momism where French doors cost more to insure and are easier to break into because the insurance company said, nope, that wasn't true, that a sliding glass door, a French door, any kind of door, as long as it's locked, is all the same. I did eventually decide to dig a little deeper and understand why I liked French doors. Eventually I was able to recall a memory at my dad's friend's home. We were looking at his home office and opened these French doors that went out to this beautiful little tropical patio, and my dad told him how great the French doors were. And his friend said, these are so much nicer than sliding doors because you can open them both. The guy was a movie producer, so he was always reading scripts and scratching through them and rewriting them. So I decided this was a positive neural pathway and a positive memory that I wanted to keep as the root of my relationship with French doors. So now I like them and I know why I like them. I eliminated that false path that was put in there by my mother. No harm. I mean, she didn't intend to do anything, and she didn't realize it was going to do anything in the way I bought houses, but it did. That's just the way the brain works. So how do you clean up all that mental garbage that other people put there? Sadly, there's a lot of stuff in there, and it's up to you to see a belief and look at it and question it and say, geez, is that really right? Our minds become littered with hundreds of false truths, half-truths, and crazy ideas. They really do come from everywhere. Friends, family, and media. The problem is, until you explore them to the bitter end, their truth to you in your mind. That neural pathway is built. So herein lies the rub. Adding a new neural pathway that disagrees with a neural pathway that we already have in our minds is clearly going to fail because the old neural pathway has been there longer it's been ingrained and it has been proven over and over. It will win until you go back and reprogram it. This is why I think over the long run, most people will fail at NLP or neural programming. They haven't cleaned up the old mess before they start the new paths. Now, psychologists have known about this method for years of cleaning up the old pathways before trying to set new ones. So the question is, how come everybody doesn't do it? The reality is, you won't keep going back if you learn how to fix everything yourself. The guys who teach this stuff stop making money. If you decide to go back and question everything that you've known throughout your life, be prepared for a crazy journey of repressed memories that will come to the surface. If you don't, at least you can save the money on those books and classes because you know why. Practicing self-affirmation and neural programming on your own is so extremely difficult. The only real way to correct your false beliefs is to go find out where you got them in the first place. Once you understand that in your mind, you can create the new neural pathway and reprogram the old, incorrect one. Now, if you made it this far, I want to say thank you. I hope you got something useful out of this that will help you eliminate false beliefs from your life so you can live with less stress and more happiness. I look forward to talking to you again soon.